Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today we're talking about season six, episode 17, Fade In, Fade Out. Mary, what happened this week? When Steve finds out Nat was in a Roger Corman movie, he invites him to be a special guest at his conveniently timed Roger Corman film festival. Nat's like, no thanks. Steve tries to get Nat to change his mind because he's already advertised him as a special guest. Nat won't budge on the matter until someone from his past shows up and changes his mind. About going next door to the Roger (laughs) Corman Film Festival. (laughs) Okay, this feels once again like Steve is accidentally succeeding where he should have failed miserably. Well, yeah, because he even says like, as he's putting up the pictures or the posters for the film festival, that this is for college credit. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, I'm sorry. The assignment is to put up posters. I, I'm missing something clearly. <laughs> the as I guess the assignment is to throw a whole event. Which right was that extra credit? It's it's event planning 101, Caitlin. Okay, well, but speaking of, I was in a public relations class in college and did not have to execute the event, but I did have to, like, come up with a full, like, thing, Mm -hmm. contingency plan, like, basically, like, I was planning a wedding, but it wasn't a wedding, right? And, yeah, how, like, Steve, you're right, he just kind of, like, almost fails upward because he happens to be part owner of a club. Yeah, like, he already has an event space. He's got ins in the, you know, movie industry because of his mom and his dad. Mm -hmm. And then he just happens to have this event at the Peach Pit or at the Pea Pad and Roger Corman sends him the one movie (laughs) that Nat is in. Man. Yeah. Like everything just fell right into place for Steve. And that is just Steve Sanders. It's so Steve. (laughs) <laughs> and like there were cute moments, you know, oh, like yeah. when when he invites Susan and Brandon to come basically do like a double date with him and Claire to watch the movie and then loved it. As they're watching the movie, it's very like mystery science theater where they're just like saying the names. At first I was like why are they doing this? And then I remembered like what it's kind of like a nod to, you know? But also it was hilarious. Like that little scene, just the double date, I I loved everything about it. They were giggling. It felt very authentic. And we never see them do like a movie night, you know, like a little yeah. cute group thing. It's always got to be like going to the pee pad or like going to a show, like whatever it was. And yeah, that was such a cute little thing. Even the invite is adorable. Yeah. When... He's like, yeah, let's do this. And Brandon's like, what up, Susan? Do you want to go? And she was like, I mean, yeah, Gore is so romantic. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it. And Claire has to be like, don't forget cheesy sex. Is that cheesy sex or sex with cheese? And Steve is just disgusted. <laughs> I love that he's like, ew. And then she says, how about both? And he's like, oh. <laughs> I literally just wrote in my notes, Claire. Right? Just all caps, like, ma'am. This is why she's, like, a good match for Steve. Yes. It was so adorable. And 
like them watching like cheesy B horror movies or, you know, that kind of thing kind of really feels like it would fit for the two of them. That feels like a really good crossover between the two of them. Definitely. I mean, it honestly feels on brand for the four of them. Yeah. You know, like, because if you think about it, like from an intellectual perspective, Claire definitely watches like avant-garde and like foreign films and things like that. But this is a nice little break and she probably actually like enjoys these movies. And then Steve is just looking for a good time, right? But then Mm -hmm. almost the same thing with Brandon and Susan. Like I bet Brandon kind of wants to be the kind of guy that's interested in those avant-garde, you know, films and indie films and things like that. But he doesn't really, like, he just doesn't care enough. It's not that he's not intelligent enough to understand it. He just doesn't really care. But Susan probably does. I feel like Susan and Claire are, like, on the same page. (laughs) I kind of want this to be, like, a secret character trait that we've just never known about Claire or Susan or both of them, that they're just, like, super into like B movies. Right? Like that's an actual hobby and, and interest of theirs. Yeah. They like going to like the midnight showings, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like yeah. they know all of the jokes, the screen. Like I would love that so much. Um I don't remember when the room came out. Okay, it was 2003, but I feel like they would absolutely love the room. Absolutely. Like, they would go to the theater, they would bring spoons, they would be such, like, Tommy Wiseau fans. Oh, yeah. If that had come out while this show was airing, or, you know, a little bit before, I swear Brandon at some point would go, oh, hi, Mark. Right? I did not. I didn't. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) I just love this idea for them. I do, too. It's a good trait. And they find out. Nat is in this movie and it seems like Brandon like does kind of dial it back and become Brandon again pretty fast to be like well Nat never mentioned that he was in this movie while you're putting up the posters Mm -hmm. so there's probably a reason behind it right like they're curious why he didn't say anything but it also just seems like Brandon knows he didn't care about being an actor right yeah and We don't really know if Brandon knows something that Steve doesn't because we follow Steve for the rest of the story because the next day, I think it is, he goes to the Peach Pit to try and convince Nat to come to his Roger Corman Film Festival. And he's like, well, I already told everyone you would be there on the radio. Right? Like, Nat's like, no, thank you. And Steve's like, oh, well, you're going to have to change that answer because I already said you're going to be there. It'll be fine. It'll be great. <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> and literally, he's like, no. And Steve's like, Claire, will you just just say something to him? Just talk to him, okay? <laughs> like, I feel like you can just see Steve, like, you know, putting his fingers up in a little tent and just being like, I can wear him down. Mm-hmm. I will make this happen. And to be honest, I 100% believe him. Yes. Absolutely. Like that is Steve's personality. That is what he does. Which, to be fair, technically he does do it by the end of this episode. I know. Because he, like, cannot get Nat to go. He starts, like, picking up little hints, like, oh, it was about a woman, and that's why Nat doesn't want to go. And then while they're at the festival, 
like Steve and Val and, you know, all the friends and everything, this woman walks up to Steve, which I don't know, maybe he introduced himself at some point, but Val was the MC for the night. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. But while the movie is airing, this woman walks up to Steve and is just like, oh, yeah, I really wanted to see Nat. I haven't seen him in like 20 years. We were engaged. Oh, by the way, like that's a bomb (laughs) to drop. And like at this point in the episode, first of all, I am shook that contractually obligated Nat is finally getting a storyline. I know. And let me tell you, just like spoiler alert. This does not go away so easily. Like, this is an actual storyline for our Nat Busiccio, or Nat Benson, as he was AKA. <laughs> I just, I feel like it's going to work out better for him than his other storylines because I don't think Nat has actually really done anything since high school when he was going to close the peach pit and they were going to tear it down and turn it into a mall. And really that was an episode about Brandon dating mall man's daughter. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And getting in the, um, his heart attack, right? Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. But also that was kind of an excuse for Brandon and Dylan to keep fighting. Exactly. It wasn't ever really about the fact that this guy like almost died. (laughs) That's, that's what I mean. Nat has just been like a vehicle for the story. And I think this is the first time that it's really been about Nat. Yeah, for sure. I am hopeful. And I mean, yeah, like it's it's cute, too, because like as weird as it was, as Steve was just like, well, yeah, come on. He's right back here. Like, just let me take you right over to this other business that's connected to the business, the Peach Pit, that he happens to run. And I have some questions here. Okay, so first of all, the idea that Steve meets this woman and is just immediately like, I'll just take you to him. He's right there. Like, Mm -hmm. Steve, ask some more questions first. What if she's actually, like, coming here to serve Nat papers or something? Or a stalker or, like, anything. Question thread number two. When she gets to the Peach Pit and she sees Nat and they start talking, it becomes very obvious she already knew the Peach Pit existed and that his family owned it. So are we to believe that this woman lives within radio distance, so could hear about this event, knew Nat worked here, and just never came before now? What What if... Joan, because we learned her name is Joan, didn't know that his last name was Busiccio, not Benson. And so there's just this uncanny resembling man of roaming and running the peach pit whose name was Nat, but Busiccio. (laughs) And also had a bunch of pictures of famous people on his walls. (laughs) I'm saying it's flimsy at best. It is flimsy. (laughs) It is convenient. That Joan just happens to show up right now. And I know she said she was married and had kids and, like, there was probably, like, Mm -hmm. she needed some time to move on. But, like, she could have just shown up. She didn't have to go next door to a child's club (laughs) and be like, do you know my ex-fiance? Yeah. Like, I'll, (laughs) I'll grant you this for sure. But, you know... 
movie magic, right? <laughs> I'm just imagining this woman like driving down the road and she hears the name Nat Benson on the radio and just remembers all of a sudden be like, oh, fuck, I knew I forgot something. <laughs> it was my fiance. She just like got into like a very slight fender bender back in time and like just lost memory temporarily. And they were like, it's totally going to come back. And then it just didn't. Okay, that's an interesting storyline. That's happened in TV and film before. I want to see that again. It's never right? not interesting to me. <laughs> right? Like, you know what? This a- episode itself was super soapy. Like It was. It's plausible for this woman to have had that selective amnesia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we do have 32 episodes this season. I would pay some good money to have an episode where – they're all like sitting down, meeting Joan, not so excited. And they're like, but where have you been for the last 30 years? And then we just get a Joan and Nat flashback. Oh, man. Like we would get that. <laughs> we wouldn't. But I would love it. And then we could do it like the uh, 60s flashback when Brenda found the diary where the gang mm. plays all the people. I would be here for that. For sure. The- <laughs> they just put Nat in a wig. <laughs> And then everyone else is their normal age. Because, like, they didn't have the aging down technology that they do now. (laughs) The next time we actually do see Nat, he is so happy. He is thanking Steve profusely for bringing Joan back into his life after 25 years. To the point that he leans over the counter and kisses Steve. I know. He's so, like, I mean, and you got to wonder, like, why did they break up, right? Like, if they were engaged, clearly this is at the point where they're on good enough terms to where neither of them was so badly hurt. You know, because I could easily see, like, if Joan was the one to, like, break off the engagement with Nat, Nat could still be harboring some, like, pretty intense feelings, right? Mm -hmm. But clearly they're on good terms, so you almost wonder, like, did they get engaged because maybe it was, like, a good look for Hollywood back then? Right? Like, maybe it was just a forced thing. I kind of feel like he was in Hollywood. That was, like, where he met her. That was the kind of, like, personality that he felt like he should have had with her. Right. And then they mentioned his dad being sick and him having to come work at the Peach Pit for his family. So, like, maybe it was, like, a very self-deprecating breakup. Yeah. I could see it. Which, I mean, I guess after 25 years, you just, like – kind of get too tired of all that shit i mean there's no reason to hang on to that right like shit happens you've moved on they've moved on like you've had a whole other life you know i'm just like i don't think there is anyone in my life that like 25 years from now i'd be like you know i should see what they're up to <laughs> yeah. especially not now with social media like you basically already know unless you're just not friends with them or any of their friends you know or like me, and I don't post anything on any social media except for, like, a picture of my cats every six months. Mm-hmm. That's my version of proof of life. I'm still here. Here's <laughs> my cat. My cats made me do this. They've got me held hostage. <laughs> this is why everyone thinks that I'm a robot and John's just posting on social media to pretend I exist. <laughs> anyway, Mary, what else happened this week? 
Jonathan calls Susan from Atlanta to let her know he'll be in town next week and wants to see her. Except Brandon takes the call and he doesn't give her the message right away. He feels guilty about it and Val teaches him the old written message buried in the rest of the crap on your girlfriend's desk trick. Susan appreciates Brandon's air quotes honesty and didn't really want to hang out with Jonathan anyway. Val, let me teach you about gaslighting Malone. <laughs> Not my favorite in this storyline. No, but I at least appreciate that she didn't try to do anything like really diabolical. You know, like she wasn't trying to burn someone's house down or like, I don't know, send Jonathan on a plane to like Texas. You know, like to say, oh, I'll meet you in tech. You know what I mean? Like, because like, when Brandon says, I want to tap into your more deviant side or whatever he says, I was expecting kind of the extreme. But she's like, no, you just write it on a note and put it behind some other papers. I'm like, it's that easy to trick someone. <laughs> right. That is true. That was a very low key trick. Because, yeah, I could also see Val just being like, well, I just happen to know where a bunch of coke is stashed. Right. Like. Oh, my God. I was expecting the worst. I also – I find this very interesting with Jonathan, like, calling – willingly telling Brandon he's going to be in L.A. again. Yep. And then, like, being pretty insistent of, like, I'm going to keep calling Susan and I'm going to keep trying to see her and you are not going to stop me. See, that was what was so interesting is, like, Jonathan has been extremely upfront to Brandon. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the last couple of episodes, this is now the second time in as many episodes that we've seen Jonathan be extremely blunt and forward with Brandon, but not necessarily with Susan. He was a little bit more forward this episode. He straight up tells her that he loves her when getting off the phone. But it's a game. You know, like Jonathan is playing a game and Brandon is just letting it happen. Like, I don't know. I, maybe Brandon really is in love and he's just like, I'm not going to be full Brandon anymore because he is just letting Jonathan kind of do whatever he wants. I, It's interesting because, yeah, it's it's kind of like the Kelly, Colin, Val thing, but like mm -hmm. very clearly replacing him with like good Brandon, Susan, and then Jonathan is clearly the bad one. Like mm -hmm. he's the Val in the situation. Yeah, I, and so, like, you just wonder how far is this going to go before either Susan cuts it off or perhaps, please don't, knock me on wood, Brandon and Susan break up because of it, the jealousy. Yeah, because it's interesting when Jonathan calls the second time and tells Susan he's going to be in town, he's like, oh, Brandon didn't tell you, and she was ready to be pissed at him. Yep, yep. And, like, this is where I got upset with him because, like, he actually did the thing and then – like he when he tells her that no apology is needed i was like this is how you should know brandon did something wrong right yeah i love brandon to death but he loves telling you when he is right well i know and like he did it so easily i think was like my worry is because like okay mm -hmm. now he's recognized he can do this he can like kind of um, put one past her a little bit. So now, like, does this mean he's going to be lying to her more? Because if if so, it's just so, I think, 
it's so weird for him because he was straight up about the Kelly situation, mm-hmm. right? About what hope happened over Thanksgiving. But now he's starting to fib and starting to kind of like let his jealousy fuel his actions. And you just hate to see it because he was so upfront and he was like willing to take the consequences and all that. And now he's just like, mm, nope, I know I'm doing something wrong, but this is easier. Right? Well, yeah. And we've seen this kind of behavior backfire on him when he like tries to play the game. Mm-hmm. Like when he proposed to Kelly to trap her into a relationship and she left him. Like, right. We've seen this backfire. And yeah, I don't want to like speak it into existence, but I I feel like the Jonathan thing is going to get into be a bigger problem later in the season than it already is. Well, and you just worry because of how easily Susan forgave Brandon or not forgave, but just like let it go. And she apologized, you mm-hmm. know, like you have to have a, like, I have the feeling that she's going to find out the truth and be way more mad than she would have if he was like, I didn't tell you. Honestly. Yeah. I expected her to be pissed. Yep. But I also expected him to tell her the truth eventually, and that exactly. didn't happen. And then the last time we see them in the episode is him being like, oh, we should go to San Luis Obispo next weekend. And she's like, oh, next weekend? You mean when Jonathan's going to be in town? And he's like, well, you don't have any plans, right? With Jonathan? No? Where's San Luis Obispo? And see, I even think that's a fine way to address your jealousy. Right? Like, because Susan knows Brandon's jealous because Susan also knows that she has not told him the whole story. So there is no secret that Brandon is not okay with the Jonathan situation. So I feel like in that regard, it's like, hey, guess what? I want to make plans with you. When? Oh, um, I don't know. What do you think about like next weekend? Is that cool? And it just happens to be, you know, like that I'm fine with. It's the lying and the sneaking and all of that that I'm just like, Mm-mm, this is going to blow up in your face, buddy. Like, you're not ready for it. You're, you're going to – I have a fear that Brandon is going to go full Brandon because he's being defensive. Yeah. I can definitely see that happening. You know, like, if it were just this that he's just jealous and Susan knows it, but she's handling it, totally different story. But he's hiding things, he's sneaking around, he's lying to her. So when she finally learns the truth and calls him out on it, he's just going to get defensive. Yeah, I think I think it's totally unfair of me to say this, and I know it. I think part of the reason I'm so nervous is because we got so few scenes of the two of them, and most of what we got was Brandon, like, being bad. Mm-hmm. But that's because he was directing this episode, so he was busy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, like, yeah, we get to this end part that's, like, kind of cute, and I'm sitting here kind of on edge, like, Brandon, you're going to be in so much trouble. Just tell her what you did. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we've seen them get in a fight about the truth, but come Mm -hmm. out the other side. We haven't really seen them get mad about a lie, or anything like that. Like even with the Kelly stuff and and all and the Jonathan stuff from the last episode, it's like they've been able to get past it because they've been up front with each other. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Susan is not the person that you lie to, and 
it's okay, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I think Brandon is just not the guy to lie. Like, Right. It's not his personality. It's not. And I think, you know, on top of being untrue to his girlfriend, like, I think this is going to eat away at him. Yeah. Like, I I just don't think this is good. I agree. But yeah, it's really cute that he was like, where is San Luis Obispo anyway? I was like, I don't know that either. (laughs) I don't don't either. I thought it was a made up place. (laughs) I know it's real. But then when they like had it in the subtitles, I was like, I'm going to pause this and write this down because I would never have been able to spell it otherwise. Yeah. No. Yeah, for sure. Also, Susan looked real cute this episode. She did. And actually, Brandon did too when he was wearing that little like mock turtleneck in the newsroom. Yeah. I was like, what? Oh my God, it was so cute. And his hair was like, I think not freshly cut, but like a few days after freshly cut, you know, so it was like the perfect length. I don't know. You looked real cute. Yeah. Yeah. And Susan had a really cute hairstyle when like Mm -hmm. she first comes into the newsroom. Like whoever is doing hair for these last couple episodes is like chef's kiss. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, Mary, do you want to tell us what else happened this week? Joe's old ankle injury is bothering him again. Apparently he had that. We didn't know until now. Anyway, he sees the team doctor who says he's fine. But you know what, buddy? Your chest sounds a little weird. So you should go see Dr. Donna's dad about it. Dr. Dad thinks he hears a heart defect. But the other doctor at the school's medical center gives Joe a conflicting second opinion. Donna is glad to hear that Joe is okay, but doesn't trust the doctor who isn't her dad to be right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, her dad is a renowned cardiologist. When Joe tells the the random doctor that's, like, you know, full-body GP, like, oh, yeah, Dr. John Martin. And he's like, yeah, that's a good cardiologist. Mm -hmm. Like, trust that guy. Don't – I – hate to say I'm so jaded by sports, but do not trust the guy that your sports team wants you to go to. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, every single athletic department has a team doctor, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because they have to, because otherwise there's going to be lawsuits aplenty. And also it's a probably a huge out-of-pocket cost to send all of your patients to like, in Athens, it was St. Mary's or, or, gosh, now I can't remember the other hospital in, in Athens, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, and so... I would probably say at this time in the mid nineties, the team doctors aren't what they ended up being today. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, they could have been a little bit more incentivized to clear a player before they're actually, you know, healthy enough to play, or especially if it's a quarterback or star running back or something like that. So I'd get a third opinion, right? Like give me a two out of three here. (laughs) Which, yeah, especially because this is a drama. I'm sitting here being like, he's not fine. Yeah, right? Also, let's talk about the ankle. I know. Because also if you're like, if your doctor is looking at your ankle, then just doing routine like chest sounds and then says, hmm, you should get your heart checked because of your ankle. Clearly that means your blood is not flowing properly to that appendage. Well, and, like, not even just a heart, although, like, seriously, yeah, when the guy is like, while you're here, let me check your heart. It's like, yeah, why? Sir. Why? <laughs> but, like, if you have to own a cane, 
that you just like limp around on. And I do remember in courting when he was like icing his ankle and he was like, oh, I'm going to have to have ligament surgery. And we were like, oh, he's just showing off his leg to us Mm -hmm. when really it was like setting these seeds. Yep. But yeah, if you have to have a cane and you're like, oh, the swelling will go down eventually, but then like you can't even walk to the bathroom in your girlfriend's apartment. Joe, you're falling apart. Well, and that's the thing too is like, uh, again, my 2022 lens is telling me like your coach would not let you practice. You would ice that Mm. you'd have a giant wrap around your ankle. And especially if there's swelling involved. Even if you did need ligament surgery, you'd have to wait for that swelling to go down before you even do the surgery. So if this is like a recurring thing where you're just swelling and then going down and swelling and then going down, you need to have the surgery, sir. (laughs) Also, it's the off season. Yeah. This is the time to get the surgery so that you can come back for, you know, let's presume he's a junior. Let's presume he has one more year of eligibility. Like you get the Mm -hmm. surgery now. So that you're prepared or like if you're declaring for the draft, you would get the surgery now so that you have a chance to be ready for the combine. Mm-hmm. But no, 100%. no, he's just limping around being like, oh, I'm fine. Like, sir, that's what I do. And I am not trying to get paid millions of dollars to be a professional athlete. Well, yeah. And and like I totally understand from a pride perspective how, you know, Joe – doesn't really want to tell Donna that he's going to go make an appointment with her dad because, like, he doesn't want Donna to worry, especially especially if it's nothing. So, like, I'm not mad at – like, there's a lot of lying going around in this episode, but I'm not necessarily mad at Joe for lying because, like, that's probably a pride thing. He's probably mm-hmm. embarrassed and he's scared. Like, he doesn't want this to be worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. But also, he ends up telling Donna, like, hey, I wasn't being fully truthful my appointment was was with your dad. Also, like, yeah, like Donna was going to find out from Dr. Dad. That was my favorite part is he was just like telling the worst lies. He was like, oh, my coach needs to see a cardiologist. Can he get in with your dad? Mm-hmm. Like she's close to her parents. She's going to call her dad or her dad's going to be like, Joe made an appointment with me. Actually, I don't think he can do that. That's HIPAA violations. Right. <laughs> but like – just I I do really love that he lies to her for like a total of 12 hours and he's like I can't I can't do it (laughs) she's like at the ATM she's like hold on let me get 20 bucks out and he's like I lied to you earlier right like it's kind of cute actually because like that would make me almost trust him more if I were dating him right Mm -hmm. (laughs) no I think they're adorable and like I love watching Donna just be like this supportive but like kind of scared girlfriend like I don't know. She's playing it very well. No, she is because she's genuinely concerned for his health, not for his like NFL prospects, right? It's like his actual Mm -hmm. health. She, you know, Donna doesn't give a shit about football. Like, (laughs) she doesn't care. Like, she just wants Joe to be happy and healthy. And what we end up finding out, like, like Mary said, like, Joe goes to see Dr. Dad and he might have a congenital heart defect. That's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, second slash kind of third opinion guy, if you count the first GP, is like, well, I don't know what Dr. Martin saw. You're totally fine. You can go play football, no problem. Mm-hmm. And the second he comes out and he's 
like they had had this whole conversation where Joe was like, I feel bad getting a second opinion because it's your dad. But then as right. soon as he says, this guy says your dad was wrong, Donna is just like, I don't think my dad is wrong, but yeah, okay. Yeah, like, hold up. He's been in this profession for a long time, and he, like, Dr. Martin probably does celebrity cardiologist things. Like, it would not surprise me. I mean, yeah. We don't know if they come from family money, but Felice does not work, and they live in a mansion. Right. Dr. Dad makes good doctor money. I believe it. Yeah, it's... It's wild to me how many stories this episode seems to be setting up because we are not even done with all of them. I know. Because, boy, do we got an interesting one. Mary? Kelly's dad is back in town forever. Just kidding. Everyone who told (laughs) Kelly not to get her hopes up about her father's return is unfortunately right, and our girl gets her heart broken. Luckily, she has Colin's leftover cocaine to soothe those bad feelings. Speaking of Colin, he's a fucking mess. So much cocaine. Like, the most. I'm fully convinced. And, like, I don't know either. Like, I've not done cocaine. I don't know anything about cocaine. But I just feel like nobody knows, whoever was writing these episodes, how much cocaine is too much cocaine for a 24-hour period. (laughs) Or this person has been doing a lot of cocaine for a lot of time and is just like, this is how much I do. I mean, what? Who said that? This is just normal, huh? (laughs) The regular amount, guys. I don't know what you're talking about, said that writer. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say this. Somebody told me about this. I heard this from a friend. Yeah, my friend told me that this is the proper amount of cocaine for my, I mean, my friend's consumption. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Do you want to see it? He asked me to hold it for him. Oh, my God. (laughs) These are true stories that can happen, people. We are writing real life. (laughs) So before we actually get to the cocaine, (laughs) we have to talk about Bill Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so... This conversation that Jackie and Kelly have at the Peach Pit at the very beginning of this episode Mm -hmm. is so harsh. Like, this is setting the stage for, like, what Bill Taylor has done to these people's lives because they're being really mean to each other. Well, and it's really unfortunate because, obviously, there's a line. Like, I Mm -hmm. think it's okay to be realistic about someone's flighty personality. As opposed to essentially calling them a huge disappointment and having rose-colored glasses on, right? Which is essentially Mm -hmm. what Jackie says to Kelly. And I just think she's towing that line and possibly crossing it a lot because, like, there's some things you just don't say to your dog. Like, this is her dad, you know? Like, I I know he's sucked and I know he's been absent And especially when Kelly probably needed him the most and when Jackie needed him the most. But at a certain point, like, Kelly needs to make the decision about her father for herself and Jackie needs to let her. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, Jackie should have said because I agree. I think she completely crosses the line in this and I think she should have said something like, look, I don't have a good relationship with your father and – you know, from my experience with him, I just want you 
to be careful and to like really be able to look at this from an outside perspective as well as as his daughter. Exactly. Because, I mean, Kelly probably does to an extent have those rose-colored glasses on. Oh, absolutely. Because she's only seen him a handful of times since she was a little kid. She hasn't seen him in three years. Exactly. We didn't even meet him at the graduation. I think we saw like the back of his head. Yeah. It goes from bad to worse because, of course, Kelly's going to feel defensive from basically everything that Jackie's just said because then she fires back and says that, well, Jackie or mom, you haven't really been the model mom. Or wife. Mm-hmm. Just like, ouch. I know. Kelly, like, that is a personal attack. Well, and you don't fight fire with fire, right? That's the thing. And I feel like, you know, I what I – expect to see with Kelly and Jackie is a much more mature relationship because they've had to have that mature relationship based on the history they've been through together. Yeah, we've we've literally seen it each of the last probably at least two seasons um, with the conversation about modeling, with um, Aaron getting taken, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of things happen that have kind of pushed Jackie and Kelly's relationship along that have given them such a good foundation for a relationship. This just kind of really pulled it back. Right. And said, Oh, okay. Maybe we aren't fully there yet. Yeah. And like, this is even where we have like that dramatic cut to credits is them mm-hmm. like snipping at each other, cut to credits. We come back and Kelly is meeting her dad at the airport, which I didn't understand why she was pulling up to like such a small building. I was like, is this a car rental place? You can't just, pull up to LAX. I thought it was a hotel. <laughs> yeah, but no. Bill Taylor flies private. He's got a private jet. And then when he gets off the plane and she screams daddy, I was like <laughs> first of all, weird. Second of all, my heart is already breaking because the second she said it, I knew he was going to crush her spirit. This is shades of Veronica Lodge. Daddy. <laughs> and once again, this is a not hot 90s dad. Oh, I know. It's like he's this charming. Is- he's but- totally charming. And he's like a soap opera star from what I could tell from his IMDb. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he is not a Riverdale zaddy. He's not doing it for me. I mean, let's be real. Fashion and the times really improved over the last 30 years for dads specifically. <laughs> And moms, for that matter. But moms yeah. are already hot a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to look at Jim and Cindy Walsh, I know which one I'm going for. Same with Jackie and Bill Taylor. Very true. <laughs> so very true. But I don't know about Felice and Dr. Martin, though. I'll be honest with you there. <laughs> well, that's because Felice's soul is dead. The worst. <laughs> She's terrible. Uh, speaking yeah, of terrible so, yeah it's like bill like kelly is so excited and i'm like surely this won't end well and she basically asked him like hey did you mean what you said by you're going to stay in la and he all but confirms it he's like i did mean it i'm gonna yeah. stay here as long as it's okay with you and she's like well yeah yeah he's like i want to get to know you better and 
yeah, I feel like if Kelly had like a little bit of a guard up, she'd be like, let's take this like a week at a time here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's have some more consistent phone calls. Let's meet for coffee. Like I will believe it, when you know, when it. you actually sign the lease. Yes. Spoiler alert. He does not. Mm. But, you know, presumably she takes him to his hotel. She has to go to class. And the next time we see her is when she's on campus and she runs into Claire and they're, you know, catching each other up on things. And then she just pulls cocaine out of her purse. You know, she's like, oh, um, I have this. Whoops. And for (laughs) you listeners, I'm literally like pretending I have a vial and putting it in front of our FaceTime and being like, I forgot I had this. Look at it. (laughs) It is like the most like fishing she's like "Mm, yeah I'm just doing my lipstick I need to find my gloss and oh my gosh what is this (laughs) it's like she reaches for the wrong tube is like oh that's not lipstick (laughs) oh my god wonder she just like started throwing it at her face she's like (laughs) what oh (laughs) but we end up finding out that she has not confronted Colin about this yet. So Colin has no idea that she has confirmed mm-hmm. that he's still doing all this cocaine and, like, has it. Like, yes. you know, she saw him. Presumably, she has not actually seen him since, what, New Year's Day would have been the Rose Parade? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. So, like, they just haven't talked about this in a couple of days and she's just been walking around with cocaine in her purse for you know let's say three five days something like that yeah claire's like um probably shouldn't just carry that in your purse (laughs) also not on campus i really wonder how many times she's just pulled it out to ponder it and what she should do just in front of people right they're in a public bathroom it's an illegal drug they're they're like in the student center of a giant public university. It's not even like a Wendy's. <laughs> but like sometimes, you know, on campus, some of your classes are like in the basement of an old right. building. Right. No, they're in like the hub of student life. <laughs> they're not even in the home they share. That would be a different story. But no. No, they're not. And then, you know, the conversation pivots to talk about dad and Kelly, like, finally kind of admits that she's unsure about what's happening. hmm But that's really all we get because speaking of cocaine, we get to see the class that Colin is teaching and apparently it is hopping. It is packed out. Um, this is where I learned that Colin calls crayons crowns. Oh, I heard it too. I was like. Crayon. Crayon. That's not Which, how you sp- Like, I knew somebody that I grew up with who also called it crowns. And I'm like, is it a, is it a, like, I don't want to make Spell fun it. of you if it's a speech thing. Like, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be mean to you. But also, like, can you, let's break up the word. Cut it in half. What you got? Crayons. Okay. Crowns. <laughs> I mean, like, I always thought it was a Southern thing. And just like the syllables all running together, like it's crayons, crowns. <laughs> I mean, that was, that's a fair point. That was going to be my next guess was maybe it's regional, but 
I like I don't know enough of the people in my life for sure that pronounce it crowns. But I also think it would also be Southern to be like crayons, you know, like to pronounce it as two syllables because there's like several words in the English language that are one syllable that folks from the South pronounce as two. <laughs> well, and folks from the South also like to just take letters out of words. True. Like, yeah. So similarly, it's like it could go either way. I mean, yeah. there's a, a coworker that I have that is from Hiram, Georgia, but it's Hiram. Hiram. Like, yeah. Hiram. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think the lady who I knew who was from Hiram was actually from Hiram, Georgia, because she said Hiram. Like, so it was still two syllables. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like from some other different southern region where they draw it out. And then. Mm-hmm. There's the other people who are just like, I can't even think of a phrase. Never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same thing of like, there's a town a little bit south of, of my hometown that's, it looks like Sonoya. But if you're from there, which I was near, so I called it this, it's Sonoy. You don't pronounce the A. It's well, Sonoy. <laughs> there's also DeKalb and people in Illinois have a DeKalb. Mm-hmm. Do they that really say DeKalb up there? Yeah, that's where NIU is. That's where my cousin went to college. DeKalb. DeKalb. Then we've also got Houston. Houston. It's spelled like Houston, but it's, it's not Houston. Houston. Don't mm-hmm. even get me started on the place that looks like the capital of Egypt, but in Georgia, it's Cairo. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I always say it wrong. I'll always say it wrong for my whole life. <laughs> I've been here 20 years. I'm still just like, no, <laughs> I will not accept. <laughs> I'll I'll give Houston and DeKalb. But not Cairo. No. <laughs> it's Cairo, people. Cairo. Anywho, Colin calls it crown, which is fine. But that's not the most interesting thing about this scene because Val is there taking his class. <laughs> which immediately I was like, sus. Very sus. Why is she taking his class? What is Val's major? She takes marketing and art Art. 101? She's got electives, baby. Maybe she tested out of English and tested out of math and was like, core classes, done. I'm just going to fill this with electives for four years. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess at some point she's probably just like, I already own a successful business. I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And she could get away with it. And- like, you know, she probably also to an extent is taking this class to keep an eye on Colin. Because she can't help herself. She can't. Like, literally the class ends and she walks up to him and is just like, oh, yeah, banter about art. Things are really fun. Are you clean? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going to the gym every day. I'm like painting a lot. Like, I'm really I'm doing really great right now. <laughs> Which as soon as he said that, I was like, he's lying, Val. Right? Like, no way like, this boy's clean. Like, working out takes, like, an hour, maybe two a day, depending on what you're doing. And then, like, you just can't paint that long without cocaine. (laughs) Or without, like, carpal tunnel. Like, your wrist has got to be dead. Yeah. But, you know, this is really all we see. He's insisting he's clean. She's proud of him, et cetera, et cetera. And then we cut back to Kelly. Because we have to keep talking about drugs. Never stop talking about drugs. Mm-hmm. 
Like I can't believe because in this scene, like they're kind of trying to reminisce because like Bill's like all impressed that Kelly can drive well. Like, I'm sorry, she's been driving for like eight years at this point, not really, but like <laughs> a long time at this point. Anyway, you know, they talk about how he and Jackie used to fight all the time, but I don't love what happens next because basically like Kelly brings up, you know, Jackie doing drugs when she was mm-hmm. grown up and Bill's like, yeah, I was doing him too. Like very plainly, like, yep, me too. Same. And I'm like, okay, I understand honesty. I understand trying to like get to know each other as adults, not necessarily as like father kid, because like, let's be real. You haven't really been a father to her. But I don't agree with just, like, admitting to your 21-year-old child that you did all the drugs with your mom and then she turned into an addict and you did nothing. That's, yeah. The him leaving Jackie to get clean and then Kelly being like, well, she didn't get clean and I had to deal with it. And he was like, well, if I didn't leave you there, your mom would have, you know, that would have been the end of her. It would have killed her. Like, and, that's, like, child abandonment, though. Like, right. you should care. Well, and I'm even okay with – because I somewhat agree. If he would have taken Kelly out of the situation, I do think that would have destroyed Jackie. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you about Jackie's mental state, though? Like, Bill could have been there for Jackie, put her in rehab, mm-hmm. what done whatever, helped without taking Kelly away from her. And you can't put that weight on a kid. Like, sure, they're having this conversation when she's 21, but it seems pretty clear to me that Kelly knew this understanding. Like, she knew she was expected to take care of her mom, and that is an unfair thing to put on a kid. Exactly. Because let's let's be real. Like, she says Jackie went on a 15-year bender. Mm -hmm. That means Kelly was how old when it started? I mean, that was her entire life because I think perfect mom would have been right she around 15. when she was 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, like literally, she never knew a sober mom until she was 17 and her mom's been sober for five years. Yeah. Like it and to know that your kid has that much trauma around drugs and then the only thing that he can talk about is how many drugs he did with her mom mm-hmm. and then when he wants to see Jackie and have dinner with her, which, like, Kelly is like, I can arrange that. I was like, do not do that. Yeah, it just feels like a bad idea. I mean, I know there's probably, like, always a part of her that wants to see her parents together, but, like, she doesn't really know the real reason why they split up to begin with. Um, Maybe there was cheating. Maybe there was – I mean, obviously, it seems like it's pointed toward – the drugs but also like Mm -hmm. there could be a lot of other stuff there and why and if it was only the drugs why did they never get back together right and jackie hates him yeah (laughs) she was talking mad shit Mm -hmm. like a day ago i would not risk this even in like oh i'm gonna put them in like a neutral location we'll be in a nice restaurant they won't fight right but It seems like Kelly takes her dad to, like, all of the bad parts of her life, probably because this whole episode is just talking about drugs and how they affect Kelly. Mm -hmm. Because she takes him to the beach apartment to show him 
where she lives. And Donna mentions that Colin has been calling and calling her. Yep. At which point she tells her dad, like, oh, I think, you know, I don't think it's going to work out with us because Colin has broken promise too many times. He loves cocaine more than he loves me. Even to the point where Bill's like, well, that's that's always the problem. Like when you're in love with somebody who hurts you, when in reality, a father should be like, and I'm not saying he should go the extreme way and be like, where is he? I'm going to kill him. You know, like definitely don't do that. But like if you're a father, you should be like, no, absolutely not. Like you will not be with this boy. I don't care how much you feel you think you love him or whatever. He needs help. You're not the fixer. Which. Again, like, if Bill really cared about his daughter, he would have taken her away from Jackie and, like, been the adult in the situation and gotten Mm -hmm. Jackie help rather than just leave Kelly to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Jackie's numerous husbands that kept not working out. Like, I feel like, you know, it's like when Mel goes to help David's mom and he was like, she's always going to be the mother of my son. Like, exactly. That's what Bill should have been doing. And instead, Bill is over here being like, did I ever tell you about the mountains of cocaine I did with your mother? Speaking of cocaine, you should give that boy who's hurting you another chance. It was just so it was just so backwards. And that actually you saying that gave me a much larger appreciation for Mel, because even though he cheated on Jackie with a much younger woman, which I will never condone. No. For Sheila, for the mother of his child, he has always been there for her. And like you said, has admitted that he will always do that. And even with Jackie, like I know they're in a good place now, but like he always wanted to see Aaron. He always Mm -hmm. wanted to be a part of her life. Now, they disagreed, he and Jackie, on what that looked like, but at least he wanted to be there. Bill has just come in and out whenever he so pleases on that private plane, dips out before ever having to take any responsibility for anything. Yeah, like Mel is no saint. We no, have been painfully clear on that with this show. They've been clear on it on 9 and 0, but compared to Bill, he is like a catch. Yeah, totally. And later at dinner, Jackie does say that they're happily unmarried, which I think is probably the way they should be. Like, I think mm-hmm. I could totally see Mel being that kind of person that, like, as soon as that like legal binding commitment shows up, like, that's when he freaks out. Totally. Which, not condoning, not saying that's okay, but I could totally see that of, like, him being, like, happily unmarried. We're good. We'll just well, file separately. Yeah, like, he's just not a marriage guy, but he's clearly a relationship guy, right? Because he's been jumping from one relationship to the other all these mm-hmm. years. It's just the marriage part that freaks him out. Yeah. And, and I can't believe I'm defending Mel Silver here. Like, this is wild. <laughs> isn't it weird? I was thinking that, like, maybe a minute ago. I was like do I like Mel now comparatively? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like Jackie said, someone gives you crumbs, you think it's a meal. You know, like, it's kind of the same thing with Mel. Like, Bill's the crumbs, Mel's the meal. Bill's the crumbs, Mel is slightly bigger crumbs. (laughs) Yeah. It's like in the Eliza Schlesinger skit where she's like, you want flatbread? I'll just have a bite of a bite. Like, (laughs) Like, Bill is the bite of a bite. And Mel's the bite. <laughs> I will only refer to men on this show as flatbread. Yeah. Do you want flatbread? <laughs> no, you're not. You haven't eaten all day. Okay. No, we're fine. Let's get a flatbread. 
So the next day, we get this short scene where Kelly and her dad are house hunting, and he makes this comment about wanting to sign a lease and like, oh, I'm going to cook Kelly breakfast. I'll learn how to make things that aren't toast. Whatever. (laughs) But then while they're driving away, he says he wants to meet Colin, and apparently they're in Colin's neighborhood, so they'll just surprise him? I'm so glad they surprised him. She has a car phone. Why didn't she call him? Because she had to catch him doing coke. I literally, my next line is, oh, no, he's doing coke right now. This is why car phones exist. This is why, yeah, this is why any kind of cell phone or text message or anything exists. Not that everybody is out to do bad stuff, but it's like, yeah, if you're going to, like, drop in with your significant others like or if you're dropping in with your parents to meet your significant other for the first time you want to give them at least 15 minutes to like tidy up the space right like at bare minimum and like he's an artist he probably doesn't like do the standard like nine to five so he might still be asleep or he might be in the middle of painting like yeah like have paint all over himself and his clothes like there might be stuff strewn everywhere just kidding just cocaine (laughs) just Lots of cocaine. And, you know, Bill and Kelly, she walks right in. She didn't even knock. Yeah. Which, like, she has a key. They are dating. But, like, to just walk right in with your estranged father, does Colin even know that Bill is here? I honestly think Kelly has just been waiting to catch him. I really, I can get behind that because, like, they come in, Bill I feel like pretty immediately clocks how weird it is. And it's like, I'm going to go look at that art. And then Colin is just all over Kelly's. I love you so much. Thank you for bringing your father here. This is so great. Thank you for being here. Let me just grab you by your lapels. Thank God you're wearing lapels. Like, because well, he's already like undone his own shirt the whole way down. So he can't grab the lapels anymore. <laughs> it's like, I need to grab onto you, Kelly. And yeah, and Kelly's just like, um, thank you for being high. (laughs) Yeah, and like five seconds after getting there, she's like, dad, we're leaving. Yeah, and then she just looks at Colin and probably like contender for quote of the week. The holidays are over and so are we. Mic drop, bye. Like that was, that was great. And then Colin is like, holidays are over, huh? What's all this snow on my table? (laughs) Then why is it a winter wonderland in my art studio? (laughs) Like, this would have been, if this was not on broadcast, instead of saying, damn it, he would be like, fuck. And then just like, like you would have seen the entire thing. Instead, we just see like the head go down. Like, I so appreciate this (laughs) show being on a network because anytime anybody has done anything, you just hear... And just a head down. Like, you don't see any of it. I love it so much. I'm genuinely surprised he didn't go pour himself some orange juice. Oh. Use the David method, but with Coke. Right? <laughs> like, we have clearly evolved as a television watching society where he can just, like, pour some powdered sugar on the table and pretend to snort it. Yeah. While David had to pour a bunch of salt in some orange juice and pretend that wasn't disgusting. Oh, my God. What do you think he did put in there? Do you think it was salt? I mean, I would buy that. I mean, what if it was powdered sugar? Does that sound gross or okay? It sounds gross. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like the orange juice is the orange juice. Yeah, orange juice is already like really sugary. Yeah, I feel like if I had to choose between powdered sugar and salt, I would choose the salt. I don't know what I would choose. What else I would is also want tequila in it because then that would kind of mm. cut the salt and go well with the juice. And now you got something delicious, maybe. Uh, that's say, a fair point. You're like 75% of the way to a tequila sunrise. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Colin did a bunch more Coke, just all the Coke. And the next time we even see anyone is at that dinner with Jackie, Bill, and Kelly. And we get like a few interesting clues here because I feel like we just haven't really like checked in on a how old baby Aaron is. She's not a baby anymore. She's four and Jackie's five years sober. Right. So that matches up with Aaron's age. And Bill is just like schmoozing. Like he's like, let's get a bottle of wine. Jackie's like, nah, fam, I'm sober. Like keep on with his dinner. And then they just start cheersing each other with water. And I'm like, what's the point of this dinner? Well, and yeah, it's just weird because like he does the bottle of wine, which is weird. And I had this flash of, I think it was Mel tried to order a bottle of wine when he and Jackie first started dating. And Kelly was just like, my mom is sober, you asshole. (laughs) I don't know why. I just like, I remembered that. I was like, oh yeah, Kelly was kind of a bitch to Mel and it was fun. Well, and yeah, she's not going to be like that towards bill because he she's just like so thankful he's here mm-hmm. but then you know they're talking about the house that they looked at where he's gonna sign the lease and it just happens to be in the same neighborhood that they first lived in when they were together when kelly was a baby and they're just like being weird about it. they're like oh my gosh i can't believe i remember anything we were so high right And, like, poor Kelly. She's sitting there being like, I don't remember it either because I was a baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you guys were high when I was a baby? (laughs) Like, who fed me? Like, did (laughs) I get cocaine from your boobs? Like, what? (laughs) Well, and when they cheers with the water, they're like, cheers to our daughter who's not going to make the same mistakes we did. And I was like, she's going to go home and do cocaine, like, right now. Right? Like, thanks for jinxing her. Right? They are just, like, putting the dominoes up to be like, hey, Kelly, look at your parents who did cocaine. Look at your boyfriend who does cocaine. Look at the cocaine. Don't do it. Do you think she has the cocaine in her purse right now? Maybe. We don't I know, know it- when she took it out. Jose, at the end of the episode, it's not in her purse. But, like, right now, it could literally be in her purse. And maybe this dinner with them being like she'll never make our mistakes is when she takes it out could be i don't know but on the other side of town colin has done all the cocaine presumably also driving while high which has not ended well in the show in the past no. and he goes to the pee pad where everybody else is and he needs to speak to val because he still believes that she has his vial of that coke that he had her hold for him. And I love when he's like, I really need to talk to you. It's really important. And they go away and the camera just lingers on David for a minute. And he is just like, so sus. Mm-hmm. It was like, same, same Silverado. I mean, yeah, he's known this whole time. You know, he like knew earlier when 
Like, he's so sus of just Val being in Colin's art class. Like, he's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, like, hanging out with him? Yeah, he, I think we might have already skipped over when they're hanging out in David's uh, dorm room and she's drawing and he's just like, I don't know, they have a whole conversation about this. But yeah, David is rightly skeptical yeah. of like everyone in Kelly's life right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Colin like takes her up to her office and is like, I need that cocaine. And plain, honest Val is just like, I don't have it. I gave it to Kelly. And then when Colin gets like super pissed, she's just like, are you more mad that I gave it to Kelly or that you have no more drugs to do? Which I'm like, yeah, call him out. Loved it. And like he tries to, he kind of storms out and there's just like the slow zoom in on Val's face as he leaves. Mm -hmm. It's just like, this is a weird scene and I loved every second of it. Oh yeah. Like from the moment Colin came into the pee pad till the commercial break, Mm -hmm. I was in it. Well, and it kind of, like, helps propel for that next, like, small scene that we get. I mean, really, the next that we have is, like, Kelly, like, tells Donna she's got to go leave to meet her dad at the Beverly Glen, that house, to, to mm-hmm. like, get that lease squared away. But really, the next scene for Val is her calling Colin at his apartment, and he's, like, grumpily answering. He's like, what? And she's like, oh, don't mind me. I'm just trying to remind you that you're a teacher and you have class right now and he like he's like oh it was a bull night painting leave me alone and then we pan over and see the blank canvas and like him just sat and hung over i also i just want to point out really quick from the last scene when kelly is telling donna about her dad and she's like oh i think he finally grew up and then the phone rings and she's like if that's colin tell him i'm not here (laughs) yeah whoops (laughs) just made me laugh so she gets ready And she goes to the house to meet her dad, and he doesn't show up. He is an hour late. The realtor has another appointment but says they can reschedule for tomorrow. She's like, just don't give anyone else the house. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to call us first. She agrees to, and Mm -hmm. the realtor leaves, and so does Kelly. And she tries to call her dad's hotel room, and they tell her that he's checked out. So she panics, swings a Yui, and is like, nah, I'm going to go catch that plane. And, like, honestly, good on her. It was heartbreaking because I think when she pulled into the airport, like, I think she knew exactly what was coming. If he had already checked out, he was gone. Yeah, for sure. And she races off to the airport. She finds out his plane just took off 10 minutes ago. She stands on the tarmac with that, like, single tear running down her face she's so good at crying i'm telling you like i mean i say it god probably 95 percent of the episodes but she give her these emotional scenes because she delivers like she's literally just looking outside like jenny yeah. garth the actor just looking outside and is able to convey that emotion with those tears it was just mm, chef's kiss well and like she just keeps on giving it because she goes back to the beach apartment and there's flowers on the table Like, as soon as you see him, you know who they're from. She pulls out the letter. We get, like, a voiceover of what it says that he's left because there was some amazing deal he couldn't pass up. And he gave her a check, which feels very disgusting. Mm -hmm. But, like, the camera just follows her. Like, she picks up 
the letter and then the camera like is like in front of her as she's walking into her room where she sits down at her vanity staring at the check looking at herself in the mirror like a hundred percent all of this is just on her I yeah huge kudos to Jason Priestley here because he was able to he was able to show us looking at like Jenny Garth acting this in a way that was like you said totally focused on her ignoring everything else just focusing on what because we were told the entire episode how devastating this would be how Mm -hmm. unsure Kelly was that her dad was like for real this time all the bad stuff that Jackie said all of these ups and downs we were told the entire time and now that we have confirmation we're able to really like exist in it instead of just like maybe cutting you know instead of following Mm -hmm. her just cutting from foyer to room to you know all of that stuff we see it and we're we're immersed in it so I loved it I agree I loved it so much and you know she's like rifling around she's really like unsure of what to do with her hands kind of a thing and she finds the cocaine and I'm so upset about this choice because Mm -hmm. like This feels so anti-Kelly because of how many people in her life who have had drug problems. But then when you, like, feel so hurt and alone and this opportunity is presented to you, like, I totally get it. I mean, you know, not not the actual, like, doing the cocaine, but, like, feeling like she has nowhere else to go. And then – oh, and – that's it. David makes a comment when they're in his room about like how Kelly basically has abandonment issues and like always goes for the guy that's going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. So like, you know that she's going to do this and then she's going to go to Colin and they're just going to do drugs together for a while and it's going to hurt. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Like everything you just said is it's so sad because yeah you're like how many chance like she just told her dad she was going to give him a million chances basically like infinite chances Mm -hmm. that she was skeptical to give Colin chances but she would always her dad but when push comes to shove and she has to be faced with the fact that her dad isn't being worthy of those chances she's like well what the fuck else am I supposed to do Mm -hmm. like all right fine dad you want to give me this check for three grand so I can go quote unquote buy me something nice no like screw that I'm I like I just want to forget you that's what it seemed like to me is that he she just wants to forget what just happened oh absolutely I'd completely agree like this is her just like this is her trauma response and this was like the closest easiest thing to just like try and stop the hurt that she's feeling exactly it sucks I know it sucks a lot because like coming well, and, like, we've been saying this, like, Kelly is just very uh, susceptible. Like, And I don't think it's – I don't think it's necessarily, like, an insult that we're saying she's gullible no. and susceptible because, like, look at the hand she's been dealt. You know, she's not been given a strong parental unit up until recently with her mom mm-hmm. getting sober. She has not had a lot of guidance in her life, and she's always been told that she has to be perfect, you know? So she's just willing to – she's just trying to survive out here, right? Like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't remember if we said this on the last episode, if I just thought it in my head, but like there are ways that she has had like love presented to her. Like she just Mm -hmm. grew up around drug addicts and like people withholding from her. And so like Mm -hmm. this is her normal and it's really hard to break that. And that's not a negative on her. It's just a, you know, fact of human psychology. For sure. And, you know, she could be, like, 10 years into being a psychologist and not be able to do this herself. Like, it's just how life works. Yeah, I mean, we're our own worst critic as well as so terrible at taking our own advice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I can sit here and tell you both that you're incredible, amazing, wonderful, beautiful, all this. Can I tell that to myself in the mirror? Absolutely not. It is is exponentially harder to do that. And I feel like that is what Kelly's going through, right? She's able to tell Donna, you need to get out of this abusive abusive relationship. But she can't tell herself that she needs to stop try, like letting her dad just use a revolving door, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, even with Donna, she was like, you need to tell me next time this happens, which was a choice to say it that way. But like, right? I just don't feel really confident that this next episode she's going to be like, Donna, my dad hurt me and I did some cocaine and I need help. Yep. Like, I just, I don't see her taking her own advice. Agreed. I don't want to watch the next episode. (laughs) Oh, you're really going to hate what it's called, too. Oh, no. Oh, before we do quotes and everything, tell me what it's called. All right. So next week is season six, episode 18, Snowbound. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew it was going mean, to be a cocaine know. pun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure because I'm not reading the synopsis this time, but, like, we just talked about Winter Wonderland <laughs> and all of that, so. Maybe it's the annual ski trip, and then they get skied in without cocaine, and Kelly and Colin get cocaine about it. And there's <laughs> only one bed. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Classic 90210. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that one's that's gonna be rough. Mm-hmm. There's no way it's not about cocaine. Yeah. You would yeah, unless this was like some crazy cliffhanger like mid season finale, which it's not well, no, it's not. Can confirm it's not. As I, they just took a two week break for winter, so it wouldn't have surprised me to find out that it's not. Yeah. After this next one there is another two week break, but we still have to get through next one. Maybe Kelly will get clean in those two weeks. Maybe. We can only hope. Quote of the week. So I definitely like the one that you mentioned earlier where she's like, holidays are over and so are we. hmm But then I also just really loved at the beginning when Steve invites Claire and Brandon and Susan to watch the Holy Rollers and Claire goes, is that cheesy sex or sex with cheese? <laughs> Or was that Brandon? Someone said that because Claire responded with, why not both? Yeah, it's Brandon. And like, guarantee if Claire had, instead of saying, why not both, had said, por que no los dos, that would have been the winner. Like, probably the entire series. I would (laughs) have died. That's how I wrote it in my notes. (laughs) Por que no los dos, eh, Claire? (laughs) (laughs) So I did have a Steve quote. And it was like right at the beginning when... um, 
Steve is just like, Nat, who the fuck is taking down all my posters? And Nat's like, four is enough, Steve. And he's just like, yeah. never enough. <laughs> he just yells. <laughs> it's never enough. I just, I love the idea that even though Steve is like kind of good at promoting events, he's also really bad. And so he just put all of his posters up in the peach pit. And so he's like going along the wall, putting up the posters and Nat's coming behind him and taking down the posters. <laughs> Like immediately, I really, too, like falling right behind him. Then <laughs> he's like, "Wait, where did that one go?" Put it back up. I like. I just really hope somehow that Steve is only advertising in the restaurant next door to the venue where it's held. That was my thing. I'm like, location, 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 huh, Steve? <laughs> he wasn't actually on the radio. He was just outside with a megaphone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I really want that to be true. And. <laughs> Just the lady happens to drive by just when Steve yells, Nat Benson. And she's like, oh, my God, Nat Benson. And it was also on the street right outside the peach pit. Right. Yeah, she's like waiting for the bus and all the memories come back to her. Oh, my God. Um, I also wrote down the holidays are over and so are we. And um, just Colin being super fucking intense and on cocaine with Kelly, just be like, thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing your dad. The thank you for bringing your dad. Like, <laughs> no, it's very like, shh, no one knows I'm high. Go to sleep. Like, <laughs> it's literally, it's from How I Met Your Mother when Marshall leans over to Lily and goes, Lily doesn't know I'm high. And she goes, you're high? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> what? And he just turns back to Ted and is like, Lily doesn't know I'm high. <laughs> so all of those are wonderful. But I actually have one we didn't even talk about. Oh. So, I know, I know. I'm so sorry. Basically, it was like, there's this like itty bitty tiny scene. It really wasn't worth talking about as a whole, but David is walking with Kelly through this, th- through the condor's nest, asking how her dad is, like warning her, like you need to be careful. Da da da. Kelly informs David about going house hunting, and Val makes a comment that I missed. But then David's just like, "Oh come on, give her a break," and Val's just like, "Why should I give her a break? She never gives me one." And it just like fueled this, this, this relationship that they have. I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> I actually totally wrote that down and must have skipped right past it because I loved that moment. I mean, it's yep. so true though, right? Yeah. No, it's totally fair. And yet they're drawn to each other. They are. They're like magnets, man. I love it. <laughs> well, Mary. Did you have a moment of the week? Was your moment just cocaine? Was it <sighs> four's not enough? <laughs> God. Okay, so I had several moments, and I'm giving this week's moment of the week to every time this show gave us an option, and then the opposite thing happened. <laughs> just you mean Kelly. like Kelly's dad, like coming yeah. to town, saying he's gonna stay forever, and then bouncing at the earliest time he possibly could. Yeah, no, Joe, like, comes on screen, and he's like, my ankle hurts, and I'm like, oh, no, something's wrong, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no, it's it's probably fine, I'm like, no, it's not fine, and then they're like, no, it's fine, and I'm like, but no, it's not. <laughs> my gosh, would you say that Joe balls so hard his ankle hurt? 
I I really would fucking say that very loudly, actually. <laughs> I feel Memories. like the show. I feel like the show also like someone in the writers' room discovered the joke psych or like not <laughs> not. <laughs> I mean, it's like Kelly's dad's in town, not. I mean, you remember that episode of Legends where they go to the summer camp and the camp and it's in the '90s and the camp counselor is like immediately does a not joke and Ray just cracks up at it and Sarah's like, "Oh fuck, not a not joke." <laughs> I would have loved it so much if someone on this show did it. You right? Oh, like Joe, your heart's fine. Not <laughs> the second opinion doctor does that. <laughs> oh my god, that's a mean example. I feel bad. <laughs> anyway, next week we'll be covering Snowbound. Yep. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to You Podcast. You can also send us over an email. Send us your best not joke. Like just. Send it our way. Um, do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen, build a community, gives us a better product. And if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out because we really appreciate that. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast. I'm in Atlanta at a nudist convention. I'm thinking about taking a trip up to San Luis Obispo if I ever figure out where it is. I really need you to come to my film festival because you're my special guest and I already told the whole radio that you're going to be there. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>